Welcome to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. I'm Eric DeGeer, business coach, massage therapist, game designer, and your host. This podcast deals with a wide range of interests framed within the five mountains, physical, mental, financial, relational, and spiritual. This month, we'll be focusing on the mental mountain, which involves our mind, education, perspective, and knowledge. Enjoy. Hey, hey, welcome everybody to another episode of the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. I'm here with Jason, who is the founder of Appointment Hero. Jason, take it away and tell us a little bit about what's going on with that. Well, thanks, Eric. So I'm Jason, the founder of Appointment Hero. Appointment Hero is one of the only schedulers that will answer your phone and book clients online on your website and through website chat and also through text message. With the idea of being everywhere your clients are and making it so that you don't have to be concerned about booking appointments, you can focus on what you like doing. That's awesome. We're here with Jason to talk about not only his app AI and how that works, but also to talk about technology in general within the massage industry and just take a peek at where we're headed as professionals and just as practitioners and what the future massage really looks like. How long have you been working on Appointment Hero? What's the origin story? If you want to tell a bit about your backstory and how it grew into this. I have a PhD in AI, artificial intelligence. And so when I graduated from University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, I always was an entrepreneur. I was an entrepreneur in undergrad. I used to fix people's computers and they would pay me to do it. And so I got a business coach and I'm like, what should I do? And he's like, you know, try these different industries. Try dentistry. It just didn't mix with me. So, you know, as I was talking to my business coach, he's like, well, you know, if you don't like it, you're making money, but you don't like what you're doing. It doesn't make sense to continue to do what you're doing. So he said, try different industries and this time see if you actually like the people, how they respond. So what I did was I just went to different Facebook groups and I just posted, hey, I'm Jason Carter. I have nothing to sell you because I didn't have anything to sell at the time. But I'm open to hearing your pain points, your challenges, and so on. And I know that post probably got a hundred and some odd comments. After reading through most of them, I would probably say 95% of them were really positive. There were some people who were like, who is this guy? What does he want? Which makes sense. And people were just telling me, hey, you know, the biggest thing was when I am given a massage, I cannot answer my phone and I'm missing calls. Is there something you can do to help me with that? And so that's how the whole Appointment Hero started, is from those conversations. And it's definitely grown, at least in the time that I've known you and been kind of watching your progress. You started your own Facebook group. You've got good following for that. And it looks like some developments. Now, tell us a little bit about how it works. I know that Janet is the name of your AI, correct? Yes. So the whole idea behind Janet was Janet would be what they call uh, omni-channel, which basically means no matter where you talk to Janet, whether you talk to Janet on the website, like through a chat box, or you talk to her through text messages, Janet is still the same Janet, right? She can still answer your call. So the way it works is through web chat. And one of the reasons we did web chat was because I used to do website development. And so I realized that you only have between three to 10 seconds for somebody who doesn't know you to go to your website. And if their question is not answered in that time, they leave. And so what the chat box does is people naturally, I've actually sat and watched 40 people go to websites and see some without chat boxes, some with, 
I would say the overwhelming majority of people engage with the chat box. That's why we do it there. But the basic idea is that Janet reads from your scheduling system, which is Appointment Hero. So somebody could say, hey, I would like to book an appointment. And it just takes them through the booking sequence. You know, would you like to book a massage or a facial or whatever your categories are? They just choose that. And then it reads like the specific types you offer. And it'll ask them, do they want to do that? If you are a solo practitioner, it just asks them to confirm. If you're a multi-practitioner, then it says, who would you like to book with? They choose a date based off of your booking system. And then if they confirm, it sends them to your booking page. So that's how it works on the web chat. If they call you, and when they call you, they hear a voice message that is your voice. So it's not a robotic voice. You say pretty much whatever you want. Typically, I tell people to say something like, hey, sorry, I can't answer the phone, but my smart assistant will text you to be able to help you answer questions and schedule an appointment. After they hear the voice message, they get a text. From the text message, they can ask questions or they can schedule an appointment. And the cool thing, too, is we've made it so that you may have things that are unique to your massage practice. You can put in custom questions to kind of make it yours as well. So does Janet learn about your business then? Yes. Cool. Definitely think that there's a lot of therapists who can benefit from that. And it sounds like it integrates the artificial intelligence and the power of computing without taking away a lot of the human element. I hope we talk about that, automation and personalization, because I know that's a big deal to therapists, and I really love talking about that. It's definitely not even just within the massage industry, just automating in general while yeah. keeping things personalized, I think is important for people because people don't want to have that. I've had to call businesses and things like that, whether it's my cell phone company or cable company or whatever, and having access to a human, but have the option to work through an automated system, which ends up being much faster. There's kind of that nice balance of efficiency and humanization. What do you see as the future for Appointment Hero? Like, What will it develop into? Do you have any big plans? So in the near term, we are releasing a mobile app. So there are existing mobile apps out there, but what I found is there may be 20% of the actual web application that you log into. And so it's not a lot you can do from the mobile app. What we're doing is we're actually going to put at least 90% of everything in it right now. And to me, this is what's really cool about Appointment Hero is next year, I'm building this with the massage community. So I can tell you, hey, Eric, or hey, guys. I want to put in feature A, B, C, D, but at the end of the day, like I'm literally getting feedback from the people in the group. People will message me one-on-one to say, hey, this would be really good for me, or this would be good for massage therapists. And then actually have a conversation with therapists to see, does this help you? How does this help you? We put in what therapists want, having a referral system with the biggest pain point is getting bookings, whether they're new or repeat. And so really putting in technology to be able to have the AI handle that for you and to be able to basically look at your calendar and see the empty spots. And when you log in, let's say you look at your calendar on Thursday and you're looking at next week, you look back in on Friday, you see some of those empty spots filled in and you look on on Saturday you see some of those spots filled in and you didn't have to pick up the phone or text people to do it yourself. So that's one of the bigger things we're working on for next year. How does that work? Do you have the AI just send out a text blast or a message blast to clients who have booked, letting them know that there's openings? It does that basically, yes. But it also looks at 
how often people have booked, when they booked, how much they've spent with you, what type of service they've done. As an example, I would not offer you a 90-minute Swedish massage if you always get 60-minute deep tissue massages. Like, that doesn't make sense. And it also looks at, one of the big things is upgrades. I know a lot of therapists, like, this is a common discussion. Do I do discounts or do I do upgrades, right? It also looks at, like, people who have scheduled this service. Think about Amazon, right? So when you buy this from Amazon, Amazon says, I recommend you do, you buy this, 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 and this, right? So this is similar to that where it's like 10 people have scheduled this massage or this service and nine of them upgraded to this add-on. So then it would recommend to other people in an email, hey, you scheduled this last month. Why don't you schedule it this month and then try it with this add-on, something like that. We're still working through the details, but that's the idea of how it works. Yeah, I like the constant upgradings and touching back in with the community. It often feels like with some of the other booking software that they're not massage therapists, so they don't really know what kind of issues that massage therapists deal with on a regular basis. I like that you're able to kind of keep a finger on the pulse, especially through another version of technology, which is the groups. That's one other thing I wanted to touch on is Facebook has become an integrated part of our lives, but we don't realize how incredible it is to tap into kind of these communal resources of knowledge and get in touch with therapists who are very similar to ourselves from around the world. Yeah, even from a client perspective, there are Facebook groups, it's like mom groups, but not just Facebook, even next door, where if you get involved in the community, uh, you get involved with people and they know who you are and they know what you do. When they have an issue or when it comes up, you are the first person that comes to mind, right? And it enhances who you are, your brand, and at the end of the day, your bottom line. It's again that touching in with personalized technology. And leveraging that to build on your brand, personal brand. I like that concept. So let's take a twist and we'll talk about some other things that are going on in technology. What other technology things have you seen, not just maybe in the massage industry, but with the service provider industry in general, in the trades, if you will? A lot of people probably won't like this, but I'm sure most of us are aware that COVID has caused a lot of industries, whether it's restaurants or barbers or whatever it may be, they're short of workers. And so a lot of technology companies, especially robotics, they're trying to create robots in some instances to reduce the workload. And then in other instances, I'm pretty sure their goal is to replace a person. And so specifically with like massage, I've seen massage robots. I think I saw a robot that tried to cut somebody's hair. I wouldn't use it though, because I like my barber. (laughs) Um, In the restaurant industry, like it's going to get really cutthroat. Hopefully it won't be cutthroat with the barber robot. Oh yeah, that would be bad, right? You're getting (laughs) a shave. Yeah, in the restaurant industry, they actually have robot cooks. And so with people demanding more than what they're getting paid for minimum wage and companies being who they are, not trying to put a spin on this, they're trying to look at ways to lower cost. And so they could pay fifty dollars to $250,000 for one robot that doesn't get sick, cooks the food the way it's supposed to be 95% of the time, doesn't call out, there's no attitude, there's no adjusting to personality. It just does what it does, right? The interesting thing though, is how people accept. So the technology is cool to me, but 
how people accept or don't accept the technology is even more interesting. And you can simply just look at self-checkout, right? I prefer self-checkout. In fact, if it was always self-checkout, I would be great. I don't want to talk to the cashier. That's me though, right? But as a, from a societal standpoint, I don't think most people are that way. Because if most people were that way, you wouldn't see, you know, cashiers working. Technology is cool, but how people accept it is even a more important point. And with the, the massage robot, I would prefer a person. But there may be some people who would. So while a lot of therapists may say, oh, I would never have that. I would never buy the bot. There are some of your customers who would prefer it. There are some of your customers who will probably pay more for it. You don't have to do wear and tear on your knees, your hands, or anything, right? You just replace the parts of the robot for some people. It wouldn't be a, a one-size-fits-all solution. And I think that's important to remember, too, is that as new technology evolves, none of this is one-size-fits-all. Yeah. There's so many thoughts that come to mind just when you're talking about that. First of all, the restaurant robots would be, oh, but then all the food would taste the same. But then it's like, well, why would it? We could program the robots to customize it based on your individual preferences. And it'd be so easy to have an iPad menu or something that you send in your order, having the robot make something specific, like more mushrooms or more spice or less spice or gluten-free. It'd be really easy for that robot to implement that. Because there's no memorization, there's no forgetting, there's no human error on that part. So we can include a lot more customization than most cooking places would allow. There's a pilot restaurant, I think it's a McDonald's, I forget where it is. It may be France, don't quote me on this. There are no people. And when I say there are no people, like when you order, you walk up to this, it's not an iPad, it's a whatever McDonald's has, and you type in what you want, you click what you want, you select the picture of what you want. It says, okay, robot brings it to the counter. Your number's up on the screen. You get it, you go sit down. There are managers there, but like from your cooking to your ordering, it's completely humanless. And they're piloting stuff like this because at some point, you know, that's where they're trying to go. Yeah, that sounds like it would be in Japan somewhere. It might be Japan. You might be right. I know it's you not know, in the U.S. I've definitely seen the ones where it's kind of like a honeycomb system with the fast food where you go up and you don't even interact with any human. In fact, you can walk in, put your credit card into the section of the honeycomb because the food is in there. It's like a glass mm -hmm. door and you pay. You can see the food inside and you can pay for it and it opens up and you reach in and grab your food out. So it's like the fastest fast food I've ever seen. Transitioning that kind of thought to massage, it's really interesting, mm -hmm. the whole customization with robots thing, because the first thing that comes to mind is that a lot of people come for the human element for massage. Like it's one of the last bastions, if you will, of human contact that we have. So I don't see it going away just yet, but I do see some sort of combination. So this is where it gets really interesting because I read a lot of interesting books on AI and robots, and they talk about the chess grandmasters where you have these computers, Deep Blue or these other ones that come in and beat the, the chess masters because they've memorized all the human ways of playing chess. But then you have these AIs which come in and they give them the rules of the game, but don't tell them how to play. So these AI are learning the game from scratch and they find that they play way better than any of the computers which have learned all the human ways of playing because they don't think like humans. Have you ever played Super Mario on a Nintendo? Yes. So <laughs> it's a company, Google Box. Basically what they did was they trained the artificial intelligence to play Mario and to beat Mario in record time without being touched, 
without having to get a flower or a star or anything, right? When I tell you how it works, you're like, really? So if you ever had a pet or a child, if you've ever raised anything, it's sort of the same way. It's like when they do something good, you give them a reward. When they do something bad, you don't give them a reward. <laughs> and that's how they taught the computer to play. So as an example with Mario, if you die, that's bad. They slap it on his hand and say, no, don't die. If you get a mushroom, that's good. If you complete a level, that's even better. And so what happens is they make the AI play Mario millions and millions and millions and millions of times to the point where now it's learned. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to try to do the thing that keeps me alive, whatever that is. So it's not really thinking. It's trying to do the best thing it can to stay alive. When we apply that to real life situations, though, it could go bad. So imagine Tesla used the same technology for their self-driving cars. The car's driving. There's a human in front of it. And the car says, I don't want to have an accident to hurt the owner, the person that's driving. I must do anything I can to stay alive. I can't swear right or left because their car is in both lanes. What is the child going to do? This technology is really cool, depending on where it's used. And in some places, eh, I feel like Tesla is using this to a degree, based on what I understand, not fully in the way in which I describe it. So what did the computer end up doing with Mario? Does it play like a human would or do unpredictable? It plays move? better than a human. It never gets beat. It beat the game in record time. It never lost. It got, in some instances, it got like all of the upgrades. But in most instances, it tries to do it in record time. So you know how you can skip levels? Mm -hmm. Like it won't even go through certain levels. It tries to go to the highest to beat it in the quickest time with the highest score. Now the next step, and they've probably already done this, the levels are obviously built by a human. They have the levels built by another AI or the same AI and see what happens, like this battle of more and more difficult levels and more and more complicated ways of playing between the two AIs would be really interesting to see. You brought up a good point. And I don't think no one's worked well. From my research, I don't see anyone working on this. So game designers, right? When they design games, it takes a lot, right? Because it takes a lot to design the level and there's like a finite amount of levels. And so they'll allow people to design levels, right? The interesting thing is what if AI did that, right? And so it would give you infinitely more levels than people would, you know, and you can change the difficulty of each level if you wanted. I know they have something similar where the world populates as you move, like within your circle of things that you can see. That's the only thing that's been generated. Like the entire map hasn't been created. It's created as you explore. I know I've seen that with video games where they do that. But I don't think they've put an AI, what we're talking about, that level of AI in charge of puzzles and things like that. Have you read Ender's Game? In there, there's a game very, very much like what I'm talking about, and it's a learning program. So these kids are sent to battle school. Basically, aliens are coming to attack the world. The world decides they're going to send all their smartest kids up to this orbital battle school. And they are trained in there by an AI program that customizes its learning based on the child, creates problems, and creates situations for the child to solve based on how quickly they're progressing. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I have to check that so, out. There's a lot of stuff we can learn from science fiction. It's kind of like potential history, I call it. Like, I like could it. this be happening? On that subject, let's talk about the massage robots, actually. 
I wanted to apply these pieces that we've learned, that we've talked about with video games and with the cooking robots to massage. And I know, you know, it's a trigger for a lot of therapists. And I've talked to people and they're like, no, this will never happen. Like robots will never take over massage. It's too much of a human element that we have. It'd be dangerous and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, on some level, for someone who's going through pain, like it's an extreme amount of pain, and they don't have the budget for a massage, going and paying 20 bucks for, let's say, a robot's two-hour massage or something like that could be a very economical option for them. And if the massage can be customized to their body type and can fix what they're going through, like maybe it's like a Cairo massage robot, and you just slip into the pod and it fixes whatever's going on, that could be life-changing for some people. What's funny is this is very low tech. I mean, if you've ever been in the mall, I'm sure you have, you see these massage chairs and obviously they don't do as good of a job as a human. But every time I walk in, I see people using them. There's a place for it. Will it take over? Left up to Japan, yes. Because <laughs> Japan is known, as you mentioned, they're very good at robotics. Yeah. Uh, and there's a robot called Emma, E-M-M-A. Emma massage therapist robot. And people love Emma. I think it's Singapore, I believe, is where it was developed in. They've been using Emma for the past four or five years now, from what I remember. And people are using Emma. It's not like they go, oh, I don't want Emma. Right? I think Emma's in like eight different clinics in Singapore. And according to the company, they're having like practitioners from China and the US are like, yes, yes, we want Emma. I always say with technology, it's not necessarily that you want to use it. I learned this very early on when I used to work at Cisco. This is one of the things they said, and it does hold true, right? Change is going to happen. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what part of life you're in. It's either going to happen to you or by you. That doesn't mean run out and go get Emma or run out and go get these spots or run out and go get a scheduling system. But what it does mean is understand it, understand where you fit and understand the value that you bring. Maybe you don't want any technology. That's cool. But under you, you still need to understand it and not be scared of it. So and I think that there's definitely ways to integrate because I think one of the things that they found going back to the chess robots and the AI is that humans integrated with computers or integrated with AI actually do much better because you're combining mm -hmm. the best of both worlds. So human computer combo beat any of the other computers that were learning chess. And I think that there's a lot of ways that we can integrate with technology, whether it's scheduling appointments with, you know, systems such as yours, or even having massage guns. I'm a huge proponent of using massage guns. I have all my therapists use them to soften up the tissue before we work on it, because it just makes sense. It cuts out 20 to 30 minutes of work that I can do with five minutes with, you know, this buffer or this massage gun. Why not use it? Why not use that technology? and give the people the results they're looking for. I feel like oftentimes a lot of therapists have a lot of ego and they're like, no, people come to me for my hands. You know, they don't want to be touched by this other thing. It's like, no, they're coming for the pain relief. They're not coming for, you know, some sort of sacred moment. They're coming a lot of times for, you know, the pain relief and for the people who are coming for that special experience without machines, just human to human. There are people who provide that too. And there's nothing wrong with having either. I totally agree. Well, we've talked about a lot of interesting stuff as far as technology. To go back to old school, something I do at the end of all of these interviews is I pull out a card game. So I design card games as well. 
Okay, we're going to be pulling a card from 420 The Card Game, which is available on Amazon Prime or on our website, rotatogames.com. Super fun game, but here's the first card we're picking. All right, Jason, tell a story about your mom. <laughs> so probably everybody says about their mom. My mom is very given, but the story I'll tell is I used to work at a grocery store. It was my first job. I was 16. I hated it. Probably most people do hate their first job. And one of the things my mama told me was, you cannot quit a job without having another job. And at the time, I'm like, well, why? I'm at home. But that lesson has served me as I left home, went to college, left there, moved to North Carolina. And it's not just, well, just keep a job. I mean, that's like the basic part. The moral of the story for me was, even if you hate doing something or you don't like doing something, you can't just quit. Figure something else out. Do that thing even if you hate it, until your situation changes, until you can change your situation. Great. I like that. On to the next question. Would you rather swim across an alligator-infested river or be hunted in a jungle by a hungry tiger? I'd rather be hunted in a jungle by a hungry tiger because I can't <laughs> swim. Oh. Uh, so that's my reasoning. That's one reason. <laughs> but even if I could swim, I feel like I have a chance with the tiger. It's one tiger versus multiple alligators. And I feel like I can move faster on land than in water, even if I could swim. And in the jungle, I have trees and, you know, limbs and weapons. Like I can make a spear, like I can make fire, things like that. So I'd go with the tiger in the jungle. I like the thoroughness of the answer. Okay. What is the most significant thing you've done in your life? Oh boy, that's tough. Between my wife and my son. So for me, like work stuff is cool from a work perspective. Like I've accomplished a lot. You know, I have a PhD. I've worked at this place, worked at Microsoft, da, 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 da. all those things are great. But I think without having people you love to share that with, and especially you know, as a guy, having a son is really cool because my son is like seven now. So what's really cool is like, I want to do something. He wants to do something. Or I will do something and he will see me doing it. And he wants to emulate being me or emulate what he sees me do. For me, that's just so cool. So I will have to go with that. Yeah, I like it. That's really great that you chose family out of the possible options, considering you've accomplished a lot career-wise. Without family, you know, what's the point? So. Yeah, very true. Okay. Would you rather have the ability to grow larger or smaller and why? Smaller, because you can go places without being noticed more. I've always been a shy person growing up. So like even owning a business has caused me to be more extroverted. I'm so introverted. Like some people would probably say I was antisocial. I kind of am, but I'm not. So being able to be inconspicuous <laughs> would be perfect. I like that. Fire or ice power? I'm going to go with ice. Why? You said fire, ice power. I don't know if you know the Mortal Kombat, but that's where my mind went to. Mm -hmm. um, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, and I just like Sub-Zero better than I like Scorpion. The reasoning is stupid, but that's that's where my mind went immediately <laughs> when you said it. So. Hey, there's no wrong answer to this. It's just, that's what's fun <laughs> about the game. Yeah, this is cool, though. This kind of goes back to when we were kids, my brothers and sisters and I growing up, and we would ask each other these kind of crazy questions all the time. Like, would you rather fight a bear or fight wolves? Would you rather be stabbed with a fork or the butter knife? 
So this game was kind of born out of that. Okay, last question. Who is a hero in your life and why? Oh, that's easy. My mom. I have so many, but my mom is the top one. Uh, and I know it's probably a cliche answer, but the biggest thing for me is like, she's been like a role model for me. And so a lot of the ways that I do things is how she does them. I feel like certain things have been easier for me because I've done them that way versus if I would have done them a different way. And so um, I would have to go with my mom. I think that it's definitely important. Like you said, the relationships that we have are the most important part of this life. No matter how technology grows and takes us further into the future, relationships are going to be the thing that we come back to. And technology just helps us come closer and meet more people. That seems to be the consensus so far with everything that we've done. It's just all the technology you've had has only accentuated what we are as human rather than replace. I know it looks that way to a lot of people. I've had conversations with people. I'll make this quick. They're like when, so self-driving cars, they came about in around 2008. I was doing like a summer internship, you could say. And so the way self-driving cars came out was the government gave money to Princeton and Yale and the Ivy League schools, a lot of the Ivy League schools, MIT and so on. And they said, hey, you know, make cars that can see. I was lucky enough to be at Princeton when the first self-driving cars, and it looks really different than like what Tesla looks now. Like it had cameras, like big cameras, like you would actually like film something. Um, but I say all that to say, like at that time, even when I was doing it and like I'm calling home to like my mom and my girlfriend or whoever it was, I'm like, this is so cool. And they're like, I'm never going to drive in that. I never want that on the road. It's never going to happen. And now you have one of the beer companies, their trucks are self-driving trucks in I think Colorado or somewhere. It's more mainstream. And I say that to say that it's really about how people accept it. And it's not necessarily... While it replaced those drivers, a lot of those drivers didn't want to do their job anyway, <laughs> from what I understood. And it's really, like you said, to just enhance what we do, not necessarily to limit us in, in a way. So it's really like your perspective and how you look at it. Yeah, there's a lot of industries that are going to be hit in different ways with it. But I think that we're pretty adaptable as humans and we definitely have a lot of interests. So I think that we'll figure it out as things come along. Thanks for coming on the episode. and having a good chat about all this stuff this is really interesting and there's definitely like a lot more that we could touch on thank you i appreciate the time all right cool see you jason you have been listening to the happy successful massage therapist podcast with eric DeGear. if you would like to join our free group you can find us on facebook at the happy successful massage therapist if you would like to reach out for one-on-one coaching or to join our massage success club You can find us at thegear.biz or massagesuccess.club, where you can fill out an application. As always, see you on the flip side.